chapter 15, and let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read from verse 3 down through verse 9. The Bible says there, But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their lips, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men." Tonight I want to bring the first sermon in a series of sermons uh, on Sunday evenings with our, with our theme, Lift Him Up. This one's entitled, Lifting Up Christ with My Speech. Lifting Up Christ with My Speech. Let's pray. Lord, I pray tonight that You'd help us as we evaluate the tongue. And Lord, You're teaching on the tongue. Lord, I pray that uh, You'd bring us in line. Lord, I pray that our tongue would be conquered and controlled. Lord, may it be something that is harnessed for good and not used as a weapon for evil. Lord, I pray tonight we'd be honest with ourselves. We'd make corrections where necessary. We'd be tender and sensitive to the leadings of Your Spirit within us. Be with us now. Holy Spirit, please superintend this meeting. We ask that You be here. That You freely move in my heart and in the hearts of those that are listening to the sermon. Lord God, we want Your name to be honored and glorified. Lord, when we walk out tonight, we want to say, surely the Lord met with us tonight. And so we pray that be the case. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can be seated. In the AM services, we're looking at 12 characteristics of Christ. And we are magnifying those characteristics of Christ. In the PM services, beginning tonight... Uh, we're, going to, we're going to be looking at lifting up Christ's teachings as they compare uh, directly to our daily living. I have about 12 or so sermons. I've actually got more than 12 ideas down. We'll see how many uh, sermons end up getting preached. But 12 uh, ideas or 12 sermons that we'll look at on average about once a month. We're going to be taking the teachings of Christ on different topics. We're going to be lifting them up. We're going to be talking about them. By and large tonight, the guts of the sermon focus on the things that we ought to say. But let me say, by way of introduction, that the Bible is very clear on there are some things that we just ought not be saying as Christians. I have these labeled as speech sins. Speech sins. There are certain things that as a Christian ought never come out of your mouth. Let me go... Fire, uh, fire five of them at you real quick here. Give them to you and then give you some Bible verses behind them. The first one I have down is cursing. Cursing. I believe we have these for the screen, guys. Cursing. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. If there's one question I've gotten from a lot of teenagers in my days and time working with teenagers, and I've gotten from some young Christians and even some adults, uh, is this. What makes a curse word bad? What makes a curse word bad? How many of you here have ever asked that question or been asked 
that question, okay? Uh, who came up with a list of words that are deemed curse words? And to that I would say, I don't know, but if the world has them labeled as off-limits, then they must be off-limits. They must be off-limits. Now, you say, well, take me to a verse in the Bible that says that this particular word is a sin. And I would take you to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, that says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. If it is good enough for the world to bleep it out for little ears to hear, then it is bad enough for you to not say at all. It ought to be off limits for a Christian to say. I've worked in several um, uh, blue-collared type environments in my adult life where curse words fly freely. Fly freely. Language that uh, I learned words working jobs I didn't even know existed. I've learned words in multiple languages that I didn't know existed. And they are words that ought never come out of the mouth of a Christian. If you're here tonight and you have a problem with cursing, let me just say this. You need to stop it. You need to stop it. It does not please the Lord. It does not please the Lord. Uh, you say, well, that word's in the Bible. And I would say this to you is that some words in particular contexts are not curse words. If I were to stand here tonight and say that those that don't believe in the name of Jesus and those who die without salvation will be damned to hell, those words in that context are not curse words. Those words are, are an accurate statement. But you don't walk around and flippantly throw those words around for other people to hear. Number two, uh, the second speech sin I have listed is blasphemy, blaspheming. Blaspheming. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 says "Thou this. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. That's a pretty heavy statement to come uh, uh, out of the mouth of God to Moses, to his people, and even down to us today, is that you're not to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I'll just say tonight that uh, a Christian should never ever flippantly throw any name that belongs to God around in a vain or an empty way. Uh, phrases uh, such as, oh my, and finish should never come out. In fact, in my house, the words, oh my, and the stop isn't even allowed because it leads people to think things that ought not be thought or said. And uh, tonight I'll say this, is that be careful about using words that are even close to the name of God, but aren't quite there. Amen. I'd say be very careful about that. Words like, oh my gosh, that should not be part of the vocabulary of a Christian. And outside of me saying that right here, that is not a phrase that I regularly use. Anything that comes close to taking God's name in vain, where you're approaching it and not quite doing it, be careful... Be careful. The Bible says that He will not hold you guiltless. Be very careful about that. Christians all the time, I have, I have known men who are, I believe, to be good Christians, but they struggle with taking the name of the Lord in vain. And I'm here to tell you tonight that it is something God has put in the Ten Commandments that we are not supposed to do. We're not to do it. You say, well, what is blasphemy? Well, there's one thing to curse. That's another thing to take God's name in vain. But when you take God's name in vain and you put it with a curse word, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. People that walk around throwing uh, curse words behind God's, God's name. Listen, if anyone ever talks like that in front of you, it ought to make you sick to your stomach. It ought to bother you to your core. I saw a billboard one time that said, if you want to take someone's name in vain, take your mother's name in vain. Leave my God out of it. And to that I say, Amen. 
Amen. How would you feel if someone walked around using your mother's name and a curse word right behind it, right in front of you? How many of you would be offended by that? I don't want to raise their hands. I think all of us would be. But you let people flippantly throw God's name in vain and throw a curse word behind it. And we become aloof to it. My friend, it ought to make you squirmish. It ought to bother you. And you ought not ever do it. You ought not ever do it. You ought not ever even think it. Listen, uh, I've worked some jobs where, uh, again, where I've had language thrown around. And listen, I make it clear everywhere I've ever worked that I'm a Christian. I do it in a tasteful way. I don't offend people. At least I try not to. Uh, I make sure that I am friendly and kind and caring and, and all those things. And I, I, I let it out that I'm a Christian and I do it in a way that doesn't uh, push people away or pushes people away as little as possible. I have led many, many, many people to the Lord on a secular uh, uh, job. And I've done my very best to try to be as careful as I can with it. I think that's where that verse that talks about being wise as serpents and harms, harmless as dove comes in play. But even in letting people know that I'm a Christian, sometimes people still just curse up a storm and they do it and they don't care the fact that you're a Christian. They do it instead. And I'll tell you, I've worked jobs where I've heard so much cursing that when I've gotten myself in a situation where my flesh is flared up, I have thought curse words. When that has happened, I have dropped in my head and I've said, Lord, I am so sorry I even thought that. Will you please forgive me and will you please take that away from me? Some of you here, I know you work jobs like that. You can't always get away from it. Beg and ask God to give you a pure mind and protect you from that. The third speech sin I have listed down here is complaining. Complaining. Philippians chapter 2.14 says this. It says, Do all things without murmuring and disputings. Murmurings and disputings. 1 Corinthians 10.10 is even more fierce in its language. It says this, Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Were destroyed of the destroyer. And if you go back and look at the context of 1 Corinthians 10, it's referring back to the snakes that uh, slithered into the camp and struck those that were complaining. God does not take well to our complaining. The fourth speech sin I have listed down here is lying. Lying. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. What's that verse mean? It means that since you have been saved, you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, lying would have been second nature to you before you got saved, but now that you're saved, you're to put that off. You're to put that away. Christians ought not lie one to another. They ought not lie one to another. Number five, the fifth one I have listed here is gossiping. The Bible word for gossiping is talebearer. Leviticus 19.16 says this, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer or a gossiper among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. You know the Christian way of talebearing? Well, pray for brother such and such. Because he's struggling with fill in the blank. Pray for sister such and such. I saw her at the, uh, at the convenience store the other day and she bought a pack of cigarettes. Pray for her. Now, you, uh, you may be more clever with that, but my friend, you're never to gossip. 
you say, well, it's true, well, then it's slander. And it's wrong as well. It's wrong as well. I can give you number six. It's not on the screen. If you want to make number six slander, we can throw that one in there too. Listen, if you have a problem with a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, Matthew 18 makes it very clear how you're to handle that. And it is not to go around the other people and complain about them. It's not to rip them to shreds of other people. It's to go to the person. You say, well, they're not approachable. Then take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. But you never, ever, 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 ever complain or gossip or slander about someone else. Tonight, the topic is lifting up Christ with our speech. In order to properly lift up Christ with our speech, we've got to get sinful speech out of the way. We've got to cut away the sinful speech out of our hearts and our mouths. We've got to lay it to rest the best we can. Then we can begin to embrace the right kind of speech that Christ has for us. James 3.11, speaking about the tongue, says this, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Sweet water and bitter? You're over here, you're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you walk away and you get back around your, your, your buddies at work and you're letting a curse word slip here and a curse word slip there. And then you come into church and you sing in the choir. And then you go out here and you take God's name in vain. And then you come over here and you show up and you go out soul winning with the church. And then you come over here and you start complaining and, and, and you start uh, gossiping about other people that go on. And the Bible says, listen, you cannot have bitter water and sweet water coming out of your mouth. You need to pick one and run with it. You need to run with it. And the Bible wants us to eliminate the bitter and embrace the sweet. And so tonight, by way of introduction, I'd say this, is that if you're dealing with a tongue problem, and in some ways, most all of us probably are, then you need to immediately confess that to the Lord and ask Him for help. Let me say tonight is that there is nobody here that has totally got their tongue figured out. Not a soul. All of us at times are going to slip up with something I just mentioned. When the Holy Spirit pokes you in the chest and says, you were wrong there. Do you slough him off? Is it water off a duck's back? Or are you quick to bow your head and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. You're quick to, when he prods and says, you need to go to that person and make it right. You're quick to do that? You're quick to do that? Tonight, I'd like to take five teachings from Christ and from the Word of God in regards to our speech and apply them to how we can lift up Christ through our tongue, through our words, or through our speech. Number one, note this, our speech expresses who we are. Our speech expresses who we are. The old expression is, if it waddles like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Right? Now, I'll say this uh, by, i just throw this disclaimer out here. There have been times where I have had some stupidity slip off my tongue that I did not mean, that I did not mean. How many of you had that happen to you before? There are times where we say things and we regret. There are times we say things and they do not portray what's in our heart. But can I say that if you take the body of work of what you say over a long period of time, that's what's in your heart. 
Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6 verses 4 and 5, we find Isaiah taken up in a vision into heaven. Isaiah was a good man. Isaiah was one of God's men or soon to be God's men. He enters into the presence of God and not a word is said to him. He just simply views God's holiness. And, he, and the Bible tells us this, it says, And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What was he saying there? He was saying, I walked in the presence of God, and the first thing I noticed was that my speech was sinful. My speech was not edifying Christ the way it ought to. Matthew 12, if you would turn there with me, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. We begin in Matthew 15. Just a couple of chapters back in Matthew 12, we find Jesus' teaching. We'll read from 33 to 37. It says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O, o generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? If you mark in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline this next phrase, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words... For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. What was Jesus saying here to these Pharisees? He was saying, you need to pick whether you're going to be corrupt or good, because you cannot walk around with a corrupt heart and say the right things for very long. Eventually, eventually, this is going to straighten itself out. If you're evil in your heart, Evil will come from your lips. You say, did that happen to the Pharisees? Well, I would say it did. They walked around pretending to be righteous. But then the day came where uh, they had Jesus arrested. And their tongues uh, cried out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And what happened? That corruptness in their heart manifested itself on their lips. What did Jesus do for three and a half years with His disciples? He worked to get their heart to the right place. When he left them, their hearts were pretty much there. And then they went out and they spoke the things which they had seen and heard that had trickled into their hearts. So number one, we see our speech expresses who we are. What is it that you talk about? Number two, we see our speech enunciates our passions. Take your Bibles with me over to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, we find Jesus here. Uh, he had risen from the dead. And this is actually the same day he arose from the dead. He was a busy guy that first day. Appeared to the disciples. Uh, made his way around. And here he shows up on the road to Emmaus. Look at verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. The Bible says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. 
And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Notice there, they talked together. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know Him. And He said unto them, notice the language in regards to speech here, Jesus' words, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And they're Okay, now skip down with me to verse number 31. So Jesus says to them, what are you talking about? Because what's on your lips right now conveys what's in your heart. Verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they knew Him. And He vanished out of their sight. And they said one to the other, now notice this, did not our heart burn within us while we talked, while He talked with us, by the way, while He opened to us the Scriptures? Christ, uh, the Bible says there in that story that He went back and showed them from the things of Moses and forward how that Christ was in the Old Testament. And He showed them and He talked to them. And, and as He did, the Bible says that their hearts Burned, And I want to ask you this question tonight. What makes your heart burn? What makes your heart burn? I'm not talking about pizza. I'm not talking about hot wings. I'm not talking about all those foods that you have to take anti-acid for like at Casa Nova. Right, Brother Jay? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is what makes your heart burn for the Lord? What makes your heart burn? What topic gets you excited? What topic gets you fired up? Sometimes I bring up conversations about the Lord with people, and the conversation is a very one-sided affair. You try talking about things about the Lord, it's uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Then you bring up politics. Oh my goodness. Put that seatbelt on because they've got a lot to say. You know what makes that person's heart burn? is politics. You get around someone else and you talk about the Bible and it's uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you say, do you like sports? And oh my goodness. They can tell you about the New England Patriots and, and I check out of the conversation immediately. Amen? Uh, they have all that sports stuff down. Sometimes you bring up work and they've got a ton to say. You bring up hobbies, maybe scrapbooking or shopping. That would be the ladies, not the men. Amen? Us men, we don't shop, we buy. Amen? Uh, but uh, men, you bring up fishing or hunting or uh, some other hobby, coin collecting or some hobby, and boy, they can go on and on and on and on. Tonight I ask you this, what makes your heart burn? What are you passionate about? I love when I climb in the car with a brother in Christ or my wife and I go out with a couple and we're sitting with that couple and the conversation automatically begins to be geared toward and leans to spiritual things. And we get to talk about the Bible and we get to talk about God and we get to talk about lost souls that have been saved. We get to talk about things that edify the Lord. and You can tell that that's what's in their heart. You say, Pastor, that's supposed to be what's in your heart. You're a pastor. And I'm here to tell you tonight that it has nothing to do with me being a pastor. That's what's supposed to be in my heart because I'm a Christian. And that's what's supposed to be in your heart because you're a Christian. Your speech enunciates exactly who you are. It makes clear to everyone around you who you are. You take the the, the whole body of your dialogue, and I would ask you this, What is it that is the majority of your speech? What is it that you're passionate about? 
The same thing that made the heart of our Savior burn ought to be the same things that make our heart burn. Remember, the theme this year is lift Him up. What made Christ's heart burn inside of Him? That is ought to be what makes our heart burn. Well, truth made His heart burn. But not just any type of truth. Spiritual truth made His heart burn. The Word of God made His heart burn. Your relationship with God will make your heart burn. Your love and care for others ought to make your heart burn. Your love and burden for lost souls ought to make your heart burn. Tonight, I would ask you this. Stop and think about what it is you like to talk about. And if it isn't about things that please the Lord, if it isn't about things that have to do with this book, if it isn't about lifting up uh, the Lord and then lifting up others, then maybe you have your priorities out of order. Number three, we see our speech can endanger our relationships. Our speech can endanger our relationships. Anytime a sermon on the tongue gets preached, you expect to be in James 3 eventually, right? Take your Bibles over to James chapter 3. Verse number 5. Let me say to you husbands, be careful with that tongue. Do not berate your wife with that tongue. You say to you wives, do not let lash out at your husband and rip him to shreds. Let me say to you moms and dads, you be careful with that tongue. God gave you that tongue to nurture and 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 raise them in a way that is uh, is godly, not in a way that berates and rips and, and and belittles. You be careful how you use that tongue. Look at verse five. James three five says, "Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth." And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You say, well, pastor, if the Bible says no man can tame it, then why even try? Because the truth is, in your flesh, you cannot tame your tongue. But when you walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God can tame your tongue. He can tame your tongue. You know how Eskimos take care of wolves? What they do is they take a knife, a dagger, that's sharp on both sides. And they turn that into a blood popsicle. And they'll stick that blood popsicle out on the outskirts of their village. And that, uh, that knife, that dagger, will have several coatings of frozen blood on it. And those wolves will come up and they'll begin to lick that blood. And they enjoy that blood. By the time they've licked all the blood off that dagger... Their tongues are numb. And then they'll lick the blade and they'll cut themselves open. And then they will eat their own blood, not realizing that it's their own blood, until they have bled to death. That's how Eskimos take care of wolves. How many families are using their own tongue to rip each other to shreds. How many people have used their tongue to lose a job, 
How many people have used their tongue to push people away from our Savior? Our speech can endanger our relationships. The Bible tells us that we are to be slow to hear and slow to wrath. I'm not quoting that verse exactly. Let's see, quick to hear, slow to see. Someone want to help me out there? Slow to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. There it is. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It was in there somewhere. It came out. God has given you two ears and one tongue. So you need to listen a whole lot more than you speak. I remember when I was a uh, 16-year-old boy, my family picked up and moved from the little town of Hartsell, Alabama to uh, the north end of Baltimore, Maryland. We moved there so my dad could start a Christian school. The church was running about 500 or 600 people when we arrived. That church is running well over 2,000 now. But I remember coming into the youth group, and I had been the spiritual leader of the youth group, not by my own want, but just the appointed, not self-appointed, but appointed spiritual leader of the last youth group I had been in. And I didn't come in trying to take that title or position necessarily away from anyone. There's a young man named Matt that was in the youth group there. That was sort of his title. I liked Matt. Matt and I, I tried to be Matt's friend, but I think Matt felt intimidated by me. I remember we were at a teen choir rehearsal on a Sunday evening. We were all singing and we came to a stop and I said out loud, Matt, that was terrible. And he laughed on the outside. But I could tell I had crushed him on the inside. Matt and I's relationship got worse and worse and worse. Now today, Matt and I are good friends again. But I look back on that and I wonder what our relationship as teenagers that loved the Lord could have been had I not made that one comment. That one comment. I had embarrassed him in front of the whole youth group. Now, I'm not saying this to make you live in a state of guilt. I'm not saying, using this illustration or trying to berate you if you have made mistakes with your tongue. But what I am trying to say is, get your eyes out of the rearview mirror and look out the, the windshield and don't make those mistakes again. Guard that tongue. Why? Because our speech, well, it can endanger our relationships. Number one, say them out loud with me. We see our speech expresses who we are. Number two, our speech enunciates our passions. Number three, our speech can endanger our relationships. Number four, we see our speech can enliven lost souls. Enliven lost souls. Take your Bible with me over to Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Verse 13 is a common verse if you're a soul winner. Verse 13 is a common verse if you've gone to church any length of time. But verses 14 and 15 are written to you and I as the saved. Look at verse 13. For whosoever shall call 
upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now right there, Romans 10, 9, or really even from the beginning of Romans 10 down through verse 13, it has been Paul explaining to the lost folks how they are to be saved. But then he turns and he looks at the Christians and he says this in verse 14, How then shall they, the lost, call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. People cannot be saved if they don't hear the gospel. Let me just ask this question tonight. How many of you here got saved because somebody took the time to share with you the gospel in some way? Would you raise your hand? There are a few of you that don't have your hands raised, and I do believe you're saved. Maybe 1% of the people in this room didn't raise their hand because they found the truth on their own. What if those that didn't raise their hand that are saved were the only ones in this auditorium tonight? Oh, how empty it would be. Aren't you glad someone cared enough for your soul? Do you care for the souls of others? Pastor Mike made reference to this, but yesterday he and I uh, went out uh, soul winning together. Went over to his bus route. We made a, a bus route visit first. Got to got to talk to a husband and wife and spend some time with them. We got back in the car and I realized my gas tank was completely empty. So we went and got gas. And I looked at the clock and I said, oh, i got to go. i got an appointment in about 45 minutes. I said, but I really need to see somebody get saved today. I really, really need to do that. We need to see somebody get saved today. And so, Pastor Mike and I, we, uh, we parked the car. And we, 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 uh, he said, why don't we go down this street? I think Pastor Mike thought he was leading us, but I think the Lord was leading Pastor Mike. We got about three houses down the road, and there was a man named Albert. He was standing outside, and a friend of his had some messed up tires on his car. And so he was going to begin the process of changing out the tires on the car. And I stopped Albert, and Albert had headbuds in, or earbuds in, and he paused his music, and I said, Albert, uh, my name is Richard Lejeune, I'm the pastor over at White Oak Baptist Church. I'd just like to stop and invite you to church, and I want to ask you a question. Do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? He said, yeah, I think so, I think so. I said, well, when you stand in front of God one day, and you've got to tell Him why He should let you into heaven, what are you going to tell Him? He said, well, I, I try to obey the good book and I, I go to church all the time and I try to be kind and helpful to others. I said, so what you're telling me is that you're doing everything you can to get God to let you in. He said, yeah, that's about right. I said, Albert, let me just tell you, that's the most common response I get from people. I said, you have an opinion and I have an opinion. But I said, can I tell you the truth? Our opinions don't matter. God who made the heaven and earth and made me and you, it's His opinion that matters. I said, I tell you what, you change those tires, and while you're working, I'll talk. And so I began giving him the gospel. And boy, he was, 
answering questions. He was engaged. He was listening. And then he realized that he couldn't get the lug nuts off with the little wrench that he had. He said, man, I, 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 need, I need more muscle on this. And I looked at Pastor Mike and I said, you know what, I've got a star sitting in the back seat of the floor of my car. I had bought that several months ago and just it's been sitting there. I said, why don't you go get that for him? So he ran back to my car and he got it and it was exactly what he needed to take the tires off. About the time he finished the first tire, I was getting down to the end about him needing to accept Christ. And instead of moving on to the second tire, Albert stood up and he looked me in the eye and he said this to me. He said, this morning, I prayed to God that he would send somebody along my path to help me because I am lost in life. Just a few minutes later, Albert bowed his head and Albert prayed the sinner's prayer. Jesus saved his soul. You know, God has commanded you and I to take the truth and share it with others. And if we don't do it, then who's going to do it? Do you understand that you hold in your possession... The truth that produces eternal life in others. And if you're not lifting up Christ with your speech, how can they know? How can they know? Number five, we see our speech should always edify our Savior. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, over to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. While you're turning there, let me read... Or quote for you, Ephesians 4.29 again, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace, grace unto the hearers. That which is good to the use of edifying. You say, Pastor, what kind of language should come out of my mouth? If it edifies, if it builds up, if it constructs, then that's what should come out of your mouth. Do you realize that one day, when we leave this earth, And we have that, what a day it will be when my Jesus I shall see. What we're going to be doing for all eternity is we're going to be praising the name of our Savior. Look at me, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. The Bible says, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand. For those of you that aren't quick on your feet with math, I'm not either, I had to look it up. That's a hundred million people. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in earth and on the earth, uh, rather every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four, four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped Him that liveth forever and ever. I can't wait till we get to heaven. We all sing in perfect pitch and perfect harmony and a choir of hundreds of millions of people will sing praises to the Lamb of God. It will edify Him. It will edify Him. You say, Pastor, that's going to be a great day. You know, I 
There's nothing that's going to compare to sitting in a choir in heaven. Standing in a choir in heaven is singing with you and, and all the other saints and all the angels. But you know, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to start edifying His name. You can start doing that right now. Right now. Is every other word off your tongue a complaint? Every other word off your tongue a, a, a gripe? Every other word off your tongue a loose slang or curse word that is corrupt? It's time to put that aside and it's time to edify our Savior. It's time to lift Him up in our hearts and lift Him up in our speech and lift Him up to others and realize that when we don't do that, we hurt others and it's time to let Him be lifted up in our speech. In my conclusion tonight, I'd like everyone to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 5 down through verse 9. We're going to talk about how to have a successful home, how to have a successful family, how to have a successful church, how to be a successful Christian in regards to our speech. It says there, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now, let me pause you there. We all know that's the greatest commandment, right? How do you go about practicing that? Well, very practically laid out. Look at verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. By the way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you have the right things in your heart, your mouth will say the right things. Look at verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest, risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Tonight I'm here to say that if you want to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you've got to have the Word of God in you and through you. It's like taking a dry sponge and soaking it down into a pool of God's Word, into a pool of the love of God, into a pool of liquid that is straight, uh, that which God wants you to say. And then when you do that, what comes off your tongue are the right things. It's lifting up Christ. Tonight, let me just encourage you, White Oak Baptist Church, let's lift Him up. Let's make Him number one. Let's put away speech sins. Let's put away sinning with our tongue. Let's lift Him up with our speech. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight.